0: If I haven't met you guys before, my name is Son. I think I've met everyone, so hello. 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 What's up, guys? Um, so we've got 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> to talk about a big topic. So I'm just gonna—I'm not gonna do my normal spiel. I'm just gonna hop right into what we're gonna talk about, and it's actually something I've never talked about before, but it's something that Jesus talked about more than anything else, and that is money. Um, and so. Did you know that one of every ten verses in the New Testament is about money? Stop! And 16 of Jesus' 38 parables were about money. Come on. So obviously it's important. Um, I love you guys enough to have an awkward conversation about money today. Okay. So I'm going to start off, and I'm going to get you guys to stand. I'm going to read. This is from Paul. So Paul is is a teacher of the way of Jesus. And um, this is him kind of talking to Timothy Uh, summarizing, like, hey, how do I love the people in my community? He's talking to Timothy. Timothy, this is how you love the people in your community in terms of talking about money and riches and possessions. And so this is a summary of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to go through really quickly. But I just loved how Paul captured this. So this is 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant Or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age. And listen to this. So that they may take hold of what is truly life. This is the word of God. So Lord, we thank you for your word. And I ask, Lord, that you would grant me super clarity and give me um, wisdom and discernment. And I pray that we would get through this, not in a rush, but in a way that is um, just bringing out the truth right to the front right away, God. I pray that you would move in our hearts, in our minds, and that we would leave here transformed, that we would leave here thinking differently about money and our stuff, (laughs) and that we would learn um, from you, Jesus, what it looks like to to lay hold of what is truly life and not fall for... um, a faulty version or a false version of that. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 you guys may be seated. Did you guys know that no one thinks they're rich? Not even rich people think they're rich. Um, But statistics would show that if you, and I think most of us in this room, if we earn more than $25,000 a year, we're in the top 10% of the world's world's wealth. And if we earn $34,000 a year, which most of us in this room would, we are in the top 1% of the world's wealth. And so when Paul is talking about, hey, these are instructions for the rich, we have to listen up. This is important for us to hear. And so as Paul is summarizing Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to try our best to get through uh, a few of those verses, and I'm going to try to draw out a few points and then just a few thoughts at the end of how do we respond and how do we not fall victim to this false illusion of what good life the good life is and trust Jesus for his. So let's read. If you guys have your Bibles, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Verses 19 to 21. And I'll read that for us. So Jesus says this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me to read a paraphrase. This is from John Mark Comer. I think it's the next slide, Katie. Next one. Yes. this one? Yes. Is, this is a summary of this. Basically, don't invest all your time and energy and money in things that get old and rust and go out of style and can be snatched from the back of your car if you park too far from the street lamp. Instead, put your life into things that matter, like your relationship with God and life in his kingdom, because where you put your resources is where you put your heart. It's the steering wheel to your engine of desire. Uh, Josh last week reminded us that our affection leads us to our allegiance. And so where where we place our allegiance is where we're going to find our hearts. And so Matt Chandler says this about money and possessions. He says, whatever is uppermost in your affections is your God and will shape every aspect of your life. So if we hold money and possessions as a treasure, it can easily shape our lives away from God and his kingdom. See, money and possessions can set the direction of your life in a greater way than you realize. And it's, are, is it leading us towards the life that is truly life, or is it leading us towards a version of life that the world is presenting us as ultimate is the question. And so it's not bad to have stuff, so I want to be clear about that. It's just the challenge here is, do we have the right attitude, attitude toward what we have? See, Jesus is warning us about getting our total satisfaction from things in this world, things that will ultimately break and fall apart and rust and be destroyed and see things are not just things often things can be identity markers and give us a sense of significance and purpose and identity so that's the, co- the competition that's going on are we going to find our identity in what we were singing this morning the fact that i am a child of god who has given me all that i could ever ask or need or are we going to find it in the shoes that we wear or the car that we drive or the people that we hang out with tim keller talks about it this way it's like where does your money flow effortlessly And that's where your treasure is. Mm -hmm. So for him, he talks about, he's a really smart guy. He talks about, he's like, I've never come across a book I wouldn't buy. (laughs) And so he's like, he has this huge library. And he's like, realizing that, oh, okay, part of my identity is wrapped up in being a smart guy. So my money flows effortlessly towards books. So that's just the first thing we want to think about. Money and possessions can set the direction of your life. Things aren't bad. Things are not bad. They're just not the best thing. They break down and we can't take them with us into eternity. The next thing Jesus brings up is this. this. This is kind of weird in the midst of talking about money. He says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Why is Jesus talking about optometry in the middle of this? <laughs> this is an idiom during, during Jesus' time. And what this meant, a healthy eye meant two things. It meant, firstly, that you were someone who was incredibly focused and living with high intentionality in your life. You got a a clear vision for where you wanted to go, what you wanted your life to be about, and where you wanted to to kind of manifest God's life in the world around you. And secondly, this is a huge sign of that, you were generous to the poor. You were generous to the poor. So he's contrasting a healthy eye and an unhealthy eye. So if a healthy eye is one that is very focused, an unhealthy eye is very distracted, and it's distracted by the glitters and the gadgets of this world, and it loses focus of what really matters. So he's calling us to attention there. Like, where, where is your eye? Is your eye healthy or unhealthy? So if a healthy eye is one that is generous towards those in need, an unhealthy eye is, is, has a closed fist towards the poor. Mm-hmm. So the point here is that money and possessions can cloud or skew your vision. And so that whole idea of there's a presentation continually happening before our eyes of, hey, this is the good life versus I'm going to trust Jesus for his definition of the good life. So money and possessions inherently have this power to blind us to what really matters. Right. Materialism, what it can do very easily is cloud our vision of what happiness is. And a grasping spirit in there can, can cloud our vision of the people around us and other people's worth. And we can kind of lose sight of those things completely. So, the first thing, money and possessions can set the direction of our life. The second thing is money and possessions can cloud or skew our vision. And the third thing is that money can compete with God. So, this is where it says in, in Matthew 6, verse 24, Jesus says this. And I love how Jesus says this. No one can serve two masters. It's not that, hey, you should try not to serve two masters. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Here it is. You cannot serve both God and money. Or mammon, which is possessions. So Jesus, in his gracious way, as our teacher, is telling us, this is just the way that things actually work, guys. You cannot serve both God and money. So then we're faced with a a, a question. Are, are we are we going to choose to be loyal to Jesus in his way or towards money or mammon? These are two fundamentally different ways to live life. So if we're going to choose to be ones who follow God and have our allegiance towards God, this means that we're ultimately giving our lives to someone who's intimately involved with us, who cares for us, who knows all we could ever need, or mammon, which will not love you back, is fickle and temporal, and will blind you and leave you anxious. So this seems like an obvious answer. But why do we so often choose the other thing? Why don't we choose allegiance to God and we choose allegiance to money so easily? It's deceitful, and it gets in there. So I want I to just summarize um, quickly. My goodness. Are you guys okay? I know I'm going so fast. Yeah, it's great. Okay, summarize really quickly the gospel of Mammon and the gospel of the kingdom. So the Gospel of Mammon, essentially what it's saying is this. The more you have, the happier you're going to be. So get out there, acquire as much as you can, no matter what the cost. The more stuff you have, the happier you will be. So this whole kingdom is fueled by consumerism and greed. And greed is this. It's an inordinate desire or dependence on money or material things. It's essentially this. If I just had that thing, I would finally be okay. I would be able to rest. I would be secure in who I am. And so this greed takes over. Mammon will end up killing you. You will do all you can to acquire these things and end up finding no life in those things. It has no um, thought of your life and your well-being, your mental state. It just wants you to fall into that state of greed and away from God's design for you. It leads to lives of complexity. The more stuff we have, the more stuff we have to take care of. And ultimately, ultimately, we're left feeling anxious and not, we're not giving or receiving the peace that we thought would come with acquiring this stuff. Okay, that's the Gospel of Mammon. The gospel of the kingdom is this. Jesus says it is better or more happy making as the Greek to give than to receive. Yeah. And so when we think about the gospel, when we think about Jesus, Jesus had everything, right? He was right there in heaven, you know, full of glory, had all the riches we could ever imagine. He gave all those things up for a purpose, though, for, for you, right? The only thing he didn't have before he came to the earth was you. So you are, you are God's treasure, he came and he found you where you were. He gave up everything. So Jesus shows us the example of of laying down or giving things, giving things rather than receiving things. This whole kingdom is fueled by grace. We don't deserve what we've been given. We have we have been given something that we are that we don't deserve. And where, where mammon, mammon will kill you, Jesus in the gospel of the kingdom, he actually died for you. So it's the complete opposite. So as we understand the gospel of the kingdom, we will learn to live lives of simplicity. We will learn to be more generous with the stuff that we have, and we will have this overall culture and reality of thankfulness as we understand this more fully. Okay, I know I'm going so fast. Second um, Corinthians eight verse nine says this: For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. God is so good. Okay, so then what do we do with this? There's three commands that we find in here, and, and um, Jesus goes on to talk more in the following verses, but the three commands that come up are, lay up treasures in heaven, do not be anxious, and seek first the kingdom of God. Each of those could be their own sermon, so we won't get into all that today. But what what are a few practical ideas to kind of think through and process laying a hold of the life that is actually life? The first thing is is, is kind of What if we thought through and processed this whole idea of getting rid of the stuff that distracts us from following fully and seeking first the kingdom of God? What do you have that you care about too much that is distracting you from God that's clouding your vision? Maybe you could get rid of that thing. Just talk to your spouse or your community group or your friends about whatever may come up in your heart as you think about that. The second thing which I'm really excited about, and we'll talk more about this later on, is we can learn how to practice radical generosity. Um, We're never more like God than when we give. And so this means not only financially, like we'll we'll talk about this, we're having our AGM. This could could involve you giving financially towards the vision of Anchor Point. And what if you and your family decided, hey, this year we wanna give 1% more than we did last year. That's a great place to start. What if you think about your time more generously? Like where are you spending time Um, on yourself that you could be giving to the people in our community or those around you? What about your talents or your gifts? How could you learn to give those away rather than to hoard them for yourself? And finally, how do you learn to embrace a lifestyle of simplicity? See, Jesus summons us to simplify our lifestyle so that we can focus on the kingdom, so that we can lay hold of that which is really life. Scott McKnight says it this way. (coughs) This makes me think that simplification is the natural response to a kingdom vision, in that kingdom, we won't be hoarding or storing up treasures, but instead living in the bounty of God's gracious provision so we can enjoy what he wants for us, to serve God and to serve others. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar, right? Mm-hmm. The greatest commitment. So as we close, guys, that's the world's fastest sermon ever on money. Um, God, God I, I, the, the, the main idea is I really sense that God is wanting to make us a, gen- a generous people. Um, that as we learn and are saturated more by the gospel as we see his picture of what life really is, that we're going to become a more generous people. So I want to read this over you. This is a picture of what generosity looks like in a group of people who are following Jesus. So this is from Acts chapter 4. And now just pray for us, and then we'll quickly transition into our AGM. Thank you for listening. I hope your heads aren't spinning. But here we go. Let's believe that this is what God wants to do in us. Um, When they had observed the boldness of Peter and John and realize that they were uneducated and untrue Oh, sorry, wrong, wrong verse. Um, now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. Then, was then This was then distributed to each person as any had need. So Lord, we want to believe you that you are a generous Father, that you give us all that we need, and that you want to make us into a generous people. And so may we, like we were singing already today, may we rest in the fact that we are actually children of God. That, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You have everything that we could ever stand in need of. And so may we learn to trust you and learn how to share what we have. Lord, we, you know everything that you've done to us and for us, you now want to do through us. So you've given us lavishly um, a new life that you're wanting us to steward well. And so would you show us how to do that? And may we become a community, Lord, that is learning to meet needs, that is learning to be radically generous, that is learning to live simply. And that is learning to not hold on to stuff as, as tight as we have in the past. So um, we need your help to do that. So Holy Spirit, come and move um, amongst us. And may you make us um, more into the image of Jesus day by day. We love you and we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.